Blog Talk Radio. Hello out there, all you. Hello out there. This is Sam Maxwell, and welcome to the Bedford and Sullivan podcast, the podcast that keeps you, the audience, active listeners in the research process of the Brooklyn Dodgers TV series I am developing. Today, it's my pleasure to welcome back the legendary talk show host who is still going strong at Aura.tv backslash Larry King now. That is Mr. Larry King. Larry, glad to have you on again. Always good to be with you, Sam. How's our project going? Oh, it's going it's going strong. I love uh, all this technology. I'm able to go back in time and, and look up the New York Times articles in, in April 1938, so it's been fantastic. Well, 38's young for me. I was five years old. I became a fan in uh, 44. Nah, right. Of course. Of course. That was your first game in 1944. I believe they, they no, beat the first Cincinnati game Reds. In, actually, gotta be, it's got to be four. I've got to correct that. 1943, my... Father had just died uh, in June, and in July, my my uncle, who was a bullpen catcher for the Yankees and uh, worked for the Shulton Company that made the Old Spice, he took me to my first game, Dodgers Reds Ebbets Field, June July 1943. Let's uh, let's get another story from you, other than Jackie Robinson, uh, Jackie Robinson's first game and your your first game. Can you tell us a story about an Ebbets Field game that only Larry King can tell? Oh well, that's, there's so many of it. So many stories out of the story. We're playing the we're playing the Boston Braves. They had a shortstop named Sibby Sisti. Um, it is pouring rain. It's thunder and lightning, and and, and we're winning uh, 13 nothing in the bottom of the fourth inning. And the game has got to stop. But it actually, will not be an official game if they stop it. And. Uh, the the Braves are trying to slow the game down, and the Dodgers are trying to rush it up. And Sibby Sisti, a shortstop for the Boston Braves, came up to the plate with with galoshes, a raincoat, and an umbrella. And the umpire threw him out. <laughs> it was a riot. And they managed to play the top of the fifth inning in a driving rainstorm. I think we won 13. Oh, wow. Okay. I'd never heard of that story. That's interesting. Somebody walking up there in a raincoat. <laughs> oh, there was a lot of, uh, of the Leo DeRocha had fights with Lenny Marillo of the Chicago Cubs. Uh, uh, I was at the game where the Dodger Giant game ended when uh, ended ten nine when Eddie Stanky then with the Dodgers with the bases loaded and two out in the bottom of the ninth was hit on the rear end on the three two pitch. <laughs> It was really funny to watch. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Well, let's go back before you your first game and before you became a real fan, and let's talk about what an average summer day like was for, for you in the late 1930s when you were five years old. 
an average day was, well, uh, they were very different days before my father died and after my father. My father died when I was nine. But before I was nine, we lived in uh, East New York, the Brownsville section, very famous section of Brooklyn, and, uh, lower middle class. I um, I was a f- I would listen to the radio. I mean, I was a fan, right? But I never saw a game. Uh, Red Barber taught me baseball. We hung around. We played stickball, punchball, stoop ball, triangle, softball. Uh, we did we did everything that was very active. Johnny on the pony. Call call ring Olivia one two three. You're up. Hide and go seek. Uh, went down to playgrounds. Hung around with a group of friends. Uh, we uh, we weren't trouble. We were good kids, you know. We had, uh, my father was a hard worker. They, my parents were immigrants, and it was a normal life of a kid, a boy. And I have a younger brother, three years younger than me. Would have had another brother who died before I was born. He would die when he was six years old. So it was a happy young life until, until my father died, and that changed the life. Mm-hmm. Well, what was being spoken about in the streets of Brooklyn in the late 1930s? Dodgers. <laughs> uh, the Dodgers owned Brooklyn. Uh, they were the fabric of Brooklyn. The New York Giants football team had just been starting to come around. Uh, pro football was not like it is today. There was no NBA. College basketball was also beginning to flourish. It would really flourish later in the late 40s, early 50s with doubleheaders at Madison Square Garden. And we were Ranger hockey fans. Uh, so I loved all the sports, uh, but the, the the sport, the talk in Brooklyn was uh, the Brooklyn Dodgers. They were, you know, it was candy stores and standing by the corner. There were no shopping malls. Mm-hmm. Everybody met everybody met down on the corner. Uh, well, speaking of uh, pro football, did you ever get a chance to see the Brooklyn Football Dodgers? I sure did. Hunky Horschmeyer. I saw them play at Evans Field. Uh, I saw them play the Miami, what do they call Golden Hurricanes, something like that. Uh, they played in a rainstorm. We went to that. I used to listen to Brooklyn Dodger uh, football, and uh, Brooklyn Dodgers were playing the New York Giants on December 7, 1941, and I heard that game, and John Daly interrupted that game to say that the Japanese had bombed Pearl Harbor. And I remember uh, turning around and saying to either my father or my mother, where is Pearl Harbor? I was uh, seven and a half. Uh, But that I remember very vividly. But the Dodgers were playing the Giants football on December 7, 1941. And was that at Ebbets Field or the Polo Grounds? don't remember. I think it was the Polo Grounds. Okay, okay. So I'm, I'm sorry I keep bringing this up. You know, many teams have suffered walk-off home runs. Uh, Joe Carter comes to mind. Bill Mazeroski comes to mind. What is it about Bobby Thompson's shot heard around the world that makes it really trump all others in terms of uh, having that weight? The reason that, well, first, it was an inter, inter-city rivalry. Two, what was led up to that was the season. We were 13 and a half games. We were in the same position in this around this time in August that the Washington Nationals are in right now. Uh, Thirteen and a half games behind and in a hopeless second place. And suddenly the Giants started to win. We didn't play bad. We played for the rest of the season like uh, we won 
we would win six out of ten. The Giants would win eight out of ten. It was unbelievable. They just kept winning. And so we'll get down to 12 games. They had 10, 9, 8, 6, 5. When it got to one game, Dick Young wrote a column in the New York Daily News that all he did was write the letter 1 in every language in the world, <laughs> telling us that we come down to one game ahead. So there was a, it was a terrifying season. And our last day of the season, which I'll never forget, Giants played the Braves. They won 4-1. to one. I think the game took an hour and a half. We're in Philadelphia. We're in a vicious tie with, with the Phillies going back and forth. The Phillies were terrible, but they were really playing us tough. And now we're down. Uh, we go into the ninth inning. It's a tie game. Uh, dusk is coming. The, if we lose, we're out. The Giants will win the pennant by even They've caught us now. They, they've won already. Uh, Eddie Wakers of the Phillies. The base is loaded and two out in the bottom of the ninth. I'm listening on the radio. Get a line drive that was going into center field. It was a sure single to end the game. And Jackie Robinson made a diving backhanded catch behind the bag that Red Barber caught one of the greatest plays he'd ever seen. And then Jackie Robinson in the 12th inning hit a home run, and we won that game, forcing a playoff. Now we have to play off the Giants. The first game is at Ebbets Field, and the next two are at the Polo Grounds. We lose the first game 5-3 to three in a game in which Bobby Thompson homered uh, in Evans Field. The second game in the Polo Grounds, we win 10 nothing. from Levine pitches a shutout. Now that leads up to the final game of the season. The Yankees had already clinched the American League pennant. And we're winning 4-1 to one going into the bottom of the ninth. And Newcomb, who's still living, who I see frequently at Dodger Stadium, was pitching brilliantly, but he got a little tired. And the first guy singled, and uh, the next guy doubled. And on that double, uh, a runner went from first to third. Don Mueller broke his leg. This is forgotten a lot, sliding into third. Hmm. So there was a 15-minute wait while stretchers came out. The clubhouse in Polygons was in center field. So you had to wait to carry Don Mueller off the field. So they're all standing around. I think it was runners on first and third, and the score was now... Four to two, and uh, one out, and Bobby Thompson came up to hit after Mueller was carried off the field. On deck was a rookie named Willie Mays, uh, who was nervous, would later say he was praying that he didn't have to come up, <laughs> uh, because that was his first year. And uh, Bobby Thompson then hits uh, strike one, they bring in Branca, uh, whose first pitch was a called strike, a curveball. And his second pitch was a fastball in the inside corner that uh, I remember everything vividly about it. And that uh, uh, Thompson hit into the left field stands. We have later learned that there was a camera in center field operated by someone who later wrote a book that he was signaling the giant batters what pitch was coming. He was stealing the signs. So Thompson knew it was a fastball. Uh, Ralph Branco went on to sign. When he signs an autograph, I've got one at home. He signs it uh, the year the Giants stole the pennant. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I later emceed a dinner in New York at which both Thompson and Branca attended. And they brought back all the players from those teams who were still living. Yankees, Dodgers, and Giants. It was a hell of a dinner. And I brought up Thompson and Branca to the stage. I looked at Bra- I looked at Thompson and said, I still hate you. <laughs> but that was the lowest lowest 
one of the lowest points of my life. I listened on the radio. I didn't see it on television. The most famous broadcast is Russ Hodges going, the Giants win the pennant, the Giants win the pennant. But I heard Red Barber's broadcast. I don't think I've ever heard Red Barber's broadcast, but I know that the Russ Hodges, we, we only have Russ Hodges because somebody recorded it. No, the only, yeah, you have it also because Mutual broadcast, there were no uh, CBS, NBC, ABC rights to the games. Mutual got the rights to the playoffs. So at the Ebbets Field game in which Thompson Homer and the Dodgers won 5-3, to three, the Red Barber broadcast went national. Hmm. The two games at the Polo Grounds, they took the Giant broadcast national. So the game was broadcast nationally and taped at the New York studios. So it was on Mutual, so that's how you heard it. If you were a Dodger fan, you heard it on Dodger radio, local radio in New York, sitting at home. What Red Barber said was, Russ Hodges said, there's a long fly ball. I believe it could be, it is, the Giants win the pennant. Red Barber said, here's the pitch, belted. He said, belted. And then he paused, let the crowd cheer. But Bobby Thompson hits it into the lower deck of the left field stands. The Giants win. And then he let the crowd cheer and cheer and cheer. And then... <laughs> Red Barber said uh, something like uh, 111 boys were killed in Korea this week put it in perspective um, <laughs> think about their parents think about those boys wives or children uh, they don't care about this this is a baseball game that was life and death by the way it didn't help <laughs> <laughs> but it was <laughs> it was well said so next to my father's death, that still remains the saddest day of my life. You may have mentioned this, uh, but I'm going to ask again. Why were the Giants, why did the Giants have home field advantage for the series? They tossed the coin. Hmm. And oddly enough, the Dodgers won the toss. And they had a choice. Uh, and they would play, you could get the first game at home and two on the road. Or the first game on the road and two at home, and the Dodgers chose the first game at home. Uh, the Dodgers had played well in the Polo Grounds that year, and they thought that if they get a one-game jump, that would give them an edge going to the Polo Grounds, which was kind of correct because had they won that game, they won the next one 10 nothing. Hmm. Another thing right. on that home run that Bobby Thompson hit, Jackie uh, Robinson looked and saw that he touched second base. Mm-hmm. That's a famous picture. Jackie oh, yeah. standing right there. Touch second base, Jackie would have called for the ball. Exactly. Exactly. It, it's it's a fascinating uh, time, and it's a fascinating uh, tale to tell. And, and thank you very much for for uh, getting into it so uh, detailedly. Um, the last time we we left uh, each other, you were going to be going to the All Star game. How'd you enjoy it? I, I didn't go. I, I was in New York. <laughs> it was really weird. I was in New York, but I had a tape that day, and I got all hung up, and uh, then it was a terribly hot day, really hot. And uh, Puig wasn't there, and uh, I don't know. It yeah. just didn't have the same allure for me that it had. I watched it at, at, in my hotel room. Well, we certainly, I mean, the, the national, uh, the national league offense certainly did their best method impression. Although we've been we've been playing a lot better, but that that is a that is in, in its short history we've gotten used to a three hit shutout uh, against the Mets, <laughs> and so that that felt very familiar. Uh, your your Dodgers I don't like though. The idea. I don't like I don't like the winning. 
Yeah. The All-Star game, getting the home field. I think that, that was, I didn't agree with that decision. Dodgers are the hottest team in the majors, uh, along with the Tigers and the Braves. And uh, we, we're gonna. I, I think the Dodgers may be the best team now with the with the pitching they have, and when they're all come together. Now, Henley Ramirez is supposed to come back Monday. If he comes back, we finally get a, a solid lineup. Kemp says he'll be back in two weeks uh, with, with Ryu and uh, and and Greinke and Kershaw and the rest, and uh, Henley Jansen, who's lights out as a closer. I, I can't see anybody catching them. Yeah, I, I mean the Braves are really hot right now, but but uh, you know, being a Mets fan, I'm supposed to think this, but I don't think they're really prepared for the playoffs, though. I I think you make a good point about the Dodgers. I agree with you about. I'll tell you about the Braves. I was talking about the Braves last night. The Braves are a funny team. Uh, they're winning now. They're winning in August. They're sweeping the East, but I don't know that they're a good playoff World Series team. Uh, the pitching isn't deep. The closer is the best in baseball. Uh, they strike out a lot. They strike out the most in the majors. That's not good when you face tough, tough pitchers in three out of five game series, first go around. Um, I don't. I don't like the Braves a lot in, in the playoffs. I like the Cardinals if they get that. You know, they got Carpenter's out for the year, and that's hurt them. I like the Cardinals. The Pirates are a sleeper. They're a very good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, very well. They're, they're itching. They're itching for it, and they know how to play. And uh, but I think the Dodgers are the best team nationally. I think the Tigers are the best team in the American League. Uh, the way they've handled Cleveland, they beat them four straight. Uh, they seem to have all the equipment. A, a Tiger Dodgers series would really be a hell of a World Series. That would be quite something. And right now, Clayton Kershaw, your pitcher, is probably neck and neck with Matt Harvey for for the uh, Cy Young Award. How do you think that's going to play out? Do you think the wins uh, met the, the fact that Matt Harvey doesn't have too many wins is going to play into it? Well, Kershaw doesn't have too many wins either. Kershaw's ten and seven. Right. Uh, Kershaw just says he has the best ERA ever. You know, he has the best five-year pitcher in the history of baseball. Hmm. No first five, no pitcher the first five years has had the ERA of Clayton Kershaw. None. Koufax, Walter Johnson, none. Uh, so this year, I don't know. I don't know if you know either. There's a third candidate. Uh, the guy in the Tigers wins the American League. That's mm-hmm. that's over and closed. But uh, the national, who's the third? There's a third pitcher in the National League. Oh, the the uh, the guy in the on the Cardinals. Uh, um, Miller, Shelby Miller. Not Miller. No, not Miller. Oh, uh, Wainwright. Adam Wainwright. Adam Wainwright. Now he's got more wins than Kershaw and Harvey. He's got five more wins, six more wins. He's got a good ERA in the twos. He's got to be considered. So I think yeah. it's between the three of them. Harvey is sort of dramatic. I don't think Harvey will win it. I think it's between Kershaw and Wainwright. Yeah, you're probably right. You know, obviously I'm a little biased, but <laughs> well, I think Harvey is. I'm going to see him pitch. I'm, the Dodgers play the Mets Monday. I'm going to go to see him pitch. Uh, uh, he reminds me uh, uh, a lot of Dwight Gooden, and uh, he's got all the equipment, and if they back him up, the Mets are – I don't discount the Mets in the next couple of years. They should be all right. Uh, and I'm anxious to see uh, Harvey pitch. I don't think – I don't think the, the the New York doesn't have more voters than the rest of the teams. And it's the sports writers of America, right? <laughs> I yeah, think that – the sports writers? 
Wait, say that again. I'm sorry. There's no imbalance. There's, New York doesn't have an edge in the voting. Right, right, exactly. Exactly. So and, I, some, I and sometimes the, it, uh, the rest of the country is a little discriminatory towards New York in some ways, I would say. Uh, you know, I don't mean that in a negative yeah, uh, connotation. Might but, happen, yeah. so. I hope for sure wins. There's no nicer guy living. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. No, uh, it, no it's, any better as a human being. It doesn't sound like uh, you're going to get Harvey, although the last time I heard, uh, there was a possibility well, that was... Didn't he pitch yesterday? He did pitch yesterday. The whole thing got screwed up. Uh, we were going to go with a six-man rotation, but I think we're we're settling back into a five because of an extra inning game. So well, then, then he'll pitch Tuesday. Monday, oh, Tuesday, playing him three games. Right, exactly. Whatever game exactly. he's pitching, I'm going. I go to most of the games anyway, but I'm, I'll go to that. We, Tampa, we play Tampa. The Dodgers play Tampa. Never play Tampa in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> and the Tampa Rays have never been at Dodger Stadium. It's it's a pretty uh, it, it it looks weird. We had the Royals the other the uh, other day, and that was uh, that was screwy as well. It was a real good team. Anyway, yeah. I got to run, Sam. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Larry. And I'm continuing to watch your work. We'll talk later. Thank you, Sam. Anytime. Take care. That's our show. Uh, join us on Monday when Professor Swain uh, Sane Harbor joins the podcast. Take care, everybody.